Litcast Slovakia, the podcast about Slovak literature in English. Welcome to Litcast Slovakia number 11. I'm Julia Sherwood and my guest today in the second podcast with a focus on poetry is the poet and translator Maria Ferenčuhová. Maria Ferenčuhová lives in Bratislava, where she has taught at the Film and Television Department of the Academy of Performing Arts. Her collections of poetry include Ohrozený druh, Threatened Species and Imunita, and most recently Černozem, Black Earth. She is one of the five poets due to participate in a reading at the Poetry Society Café in London as part of the European Writers' Tour organised by UNIC. This was originally planned for the spring, but because of the pandemic has been postponed to the 9th of November and will take place online. Hello, Maria. Zdravím. Welcome to Litka Slovakia. Hello, Julia, and thank you for having me. And thank you for coming. Uh, for the past six months, the world has been in the grip of a pandemic. Uh, in your poetry, you often deal with critical issues that affect humanity and our planet. So the current situation almost begs to be a subject of poetry by you. So I wonder, have you written any poems inspired or induced by the coronavirus? Or has maybe the pand- pandemic had the opposite effect, giving you a writer's block or making you turn to other subjects? Oh, well, so I haven't had a blog, but I haven't uh, wrote, uh, I haven't written any poetry. Uh, maybe because the pandemic made my uh, 13 year, uh, years old son stay home for uh, almost four months. So I, uh, I cooked, I was cooking, uh, teaching uh, mathematics, uh, geography and history. So I learned uh, lots of new things, but I uh, didn't have much time to, uh, to, to write, to concentrate. And uh, uh, I also learned uh, what was uh, having uh, ADHD like, because uh, I was so uh, stressed uh, during uh, at, at the beginning of uh, of the pandemic, uh, that uh, I couldn't really read or concentrate to, to do something uh, that required more time than three or four hours or or five minutes. So my intellectual work was a little bit weird, and I was happy that I was uh, able to uh, to do work tasks for uh, the film monthly I work uh, for now. Uh, I wasn't writing poetry, but uh, at the same time, uh, I was preparing uh, for uh, publishing my uh, fifth poetry book, uh, Chernozem, as you as you already mentioned. And uh, when I'm finishing a book, I rarely write new poems, but uh, they there are some texts uh, brought by the pandemics, uh, but it's not poetry. It's something in between prose and essays or even experimental texts and I still don't know what to do with them. So we will see. Uh, I'm a very uh, slow poet, so uh, a slow writer. So I uh, I let the things, uh, uh, I don't know, sediment 
uh, and then only I, I work with uh, with these texts. So no pandemic, no no coronavirus texts, but the texts about about uh, uh, aging, dialing, fragile fragility, or uh, even somehow distorted perception. Yes, they already exist in uh, scratches. That is really interesting, and um, I look forward to seeing those when they are published, when you feel ready, of course. Yeah, in five or six years. Six years. <laughs> oh, well, I hope it's going to be a little bit sooner than that. But in the meantime, now, how would you characterize your poetry uh, for those of our listeners who are not familiar with it? And uh, could you name some poets who have inspired you, whether one's writing in Slovak or in other languages? And uh, I would also be interested to know if you see yourself as a part of the echo poetry movement, which reflects present day environmental challenges, and uh, whether you follow the work of poets writing in this vein, such as uh, Julia Fedorczuk in Poland. Uh, yeah, so as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very slow in writing. Uh, I usually write uh, poems quite quickly, but uh, then uh, I need really lots of time uh, to think it over, uh, to make researches uh, or to read plenty of uh, very various books. Uh, and it's not always the poetry that uh, inspires me. I can be inspired by, I don't know, a newspaper article or uh, by a scientific book uh, or um, even by what I see around, of course. But uh, uh, the texts that are not um, basically poetic inspire me a lot. Maybe it's uh, my um, basis of a linguist uh, that uh, shows in 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 this uh, uh, approach. But uh, usually, when I write, I don't know, maybe five or ten poems. Uh, and I still don't know what they are or will be about. And then I start to see uh, a topic or a theme behind the text and uh, slowly I can, I can start doing my researches. So, uh, of course, I read lots of poetry, but not uh, related uh, to the topic. It, it, the, the inspiration from uh, the other poets comes uh, usually by chance or accidentally. And what is uh, uh, a conscious work? Usually, it's uh, uh, it, it's coming from other fields. Uh, I work in a quite interdisciplinary way uh, because maybe it's my nature of a, a failed scientist. Uh, but uh, um, reading poetry and Feeling the poetry uh, usually doesn't come from the authors who write like I I do. So uh, when, for instance, uh, my poetry connection immunity was out, uh, people started uh, uh, to ask me whether I know I knew uh, Miroslav Holub. Uh, who was uh, a poet and immunologist, and his work is really very interesting. And Immunity is the book based uh, on on medical discourses, and uh, uh, I was curious to see how the uh, medicine uh, portrays people. And uh, so it's 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 a work uh, that is uh, not only about uh, illnesses, 
or living, experiencing uh, illnesses, pain and suffering, uh, but uh, also uh, a work uh, that could be maybe described as uh, somewhat social-linguistic, uh, based on these uh, medical files uh, I found and I worked uh, on. So uh, the connection between me and Miroslav Holub was very interesting, but it, was, it came after I uh, uh, have already written uh, Immunity. Uh, and when uh, people ask me about ecofeminist uh, or ecological environmental poetry, uh, of course I can relate to the work uh, of uh, Julia Fedorchuk or uh, other poets, but uh, uh, usually I discover this poetry only after I uh, already uh, have written mine. When I start writing and I don't I don't know what it will be about. I'm just, I have something like a vague intuition that I need to write this or that. Uh, and only, uh, well, so it's very automatic, very intuitive. And uh, uh, then I, I need to, mm, yeah, to do a, a research. So to, to work uh, in a different way than, than poetic. Maybe it would be wise to find poets uh, who already work uh, on ecofeminist uh, um, topics, but uh, uh, when I am in the process of writing, uh, I usually don't know that it will help the label of ecofeminist poetry, for instance. So, so uh, it's uh, that there is something like a, a defacing the, this, uh, this process. So I'm not very conscious uh, of what I am doing when I'm right in the process of doing it. Well, as you said, I guess it really is logical that it, writing poetry is a very intuitive process. And uh, recently, being a poet uh, also means increasingly being a performer. So poets are often expected to uh, take part in readings. And uh, literary events uh, recently have been mostly driven online. And you have participated in quite a few virtual or semi-virtual events. And paradoxically, this has made such events more accessible to broader audiences beyond the usual suspects. So what I wonder is, do you think that the pandemic could actually have, have some beneficial side effects, for example, by expanding the readership of poetry? And also, do you think that in these uncertain times, people have been seeking solace in poetry more than before? First of all, I will tell something about the poetry reading and performances. Uh, well, uh, I personally uh, don't like them a lot because I'm uh, quite introverted and I don't like to perform. And uh, uh, I think Slovakia doesn't really have the tradition of, uh, of performing poetry. Actors perform the poetry in a very different way than uh, authors uh, can do. And uh, uh, when I started to go to the poetry festivals, I was uh, uh, completely amazed by the poets who, who were really performers. Uh, and uh, I would like to, um, not to imitate, but to learn how to, uh, to tell my poetry, how to say it, how to perform it, but uh, uh, I literally can't, uh, because I would start shaking. I made a progress uh, in the meantime, but uh, uh, still 
I don't really feel very comfortable um, in front of, uh, of an audience. So uh, poetry readings online are somewhat um, more comfortable, but at the same time uh, they are strange because you don't feel the audience and uh, feeling the audience uh, uh, is something really important although not the critical feedback but the atmosphere the energy of uh, uh, of the audience make every performance uh, uh, special and unique and you, you don't have that uh, while uh, reading or um, performing your poetry uh, online you, just can imagine uh, the audience or you can perform for yourself so sometimes it can be really uh, uh, introverted sometimes you can perform uh, or overdo it and uh, uh, it's not always easy it's like uh, performing in front of a mirror so so sometimes it can bring more freedom but at the same thing same time uh, I wouldn't go completely naked in front of uh, uh, foreign people that I don't know. So there is something very paradoxical uh, in online readings. So this is from the perspective of the author, uh, not the author, of <laughs> me, myself, uh, uh, not really liking these performances. Uh, but as a, a a reader or visitor of poetry reading, I'm, uh, yeah, it, this is really great. This is something that uh, uh, that makes you, uh, you, you can attend any reading you, uh, you want if you are not uh, available in, uh, at the precise moment of the reading, you can download it, download it or, or watch it uh, uh, online after. So I don't have this fearing, fear of missing out uh, when there, there are poetry readings online because they are available uh, after the stream uh, is over, but they are, the, the recordings are, are there. And uh, I never watched uh, uh, YouTube videos of, uh, of poets before. Of course, we with my son I, I was watching YouTube videos or video clips or, or, or small or short documentaries uh, but rarely poetry even uh, if uh, for example uh, Stephen Fowler um, makes his performances and all the series of poetry reading uh, online and uh, they are on YouTube for I don't know maybe uh, 10 years already uh, I, I didn't have the habit. I, I, I didn't. I, I wasn't used to uh, listen or watch them, uh, and now it changed. So I'm watching more closely poetry online. So for me, it's a big change. I don't know uh, if it's a big change for people who are not used to the poetry, who are not poetry readers. Maybe if uh, it opens a new universe to them. Uh, so the poetry would be more accessible to larger audiences, but I'm, uh, I'm a little bit skeptical. I think uh, this is a big change for uh, all the people who already love poetry. I would like to move on now to translations. 
In 2018, a selection of your poetry tidal events appeared in English, translated by James Sutherland Smith, who was my guest on the previous podcast. Is James Sutherland Smith your regular translator into English, or have you worked with several translators? And can you tell me something about your collaboration with your translators also into other languages? Uh, being translated is uh, uh, rather a new thing to me. Uh, of course, uh, uh, the samples of my poetry uh, have been translated into English, German or uh, several European languages, but it was uh, uh, in my absence. I was completely uh, distant. I didn't know that the uh, Literary Inter Information Center made uh, or translate them. Uh, and only in, I think it was in 2009, that I uh, participated for the first time to a, a, a workshop, a translation uh, workshop, uh, where we were working via bridge language and I discovered uh, discovered that there are many approaches to the translation of poetry uh, and they were all very contact so you, you uh, authors were uh, in in a very close contact with the translators they were negotiating precising the meanings of searching for nuances uh, reading the poetry uh, and uh, in, in the original and then in the version to compare the rhythm, the energy. Uh, so it was completely a different thing than uh, having something translated uh, uh, into, for instance, English without being um, in, in touch with, uh, with the translation. And uh, I met James Sutherland Smith uh, thanks to a, a, a translation a workshop like this. It was uh, co-organized by uh, Scottish Poetry Library in 2015. And uh, uh, it started like uh, a cooperation uh, and the output of, uh, I don't know, maybe um, three or four, four poems uh, that James translated for me and I translated several poems uh, 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 of James and uh, I so you translated him into Slovak yes so it was yeah. a, this this kind of mutual uh, translation and uh, James then told me maybe several months later uh, that he was planning to translate uh, as a selection of my works and make it uh, into a, a book and, and and publish it in in the UK and I, I, I didn't believe that it could be done one day so uh, i was happy of course but uh, it was something like uh, a small dream that is uh, somewhere behind uh, uh, me or in front of me but uh, right behind somewhere really it was a, an idea that i couldn't put in front of me because uh, uh, it's it was so unreal uh, but it uh, james made it all he he kept uh, translating uh, and uh, he kept sending me emails uh, with uh, with the questions. Then uh, he sent me also rough translations, and uh, and we we was uh, we, we were in uh, in touch. And then one day he he sent me another email uh, saying that uh, it, uh, it will be published uh, in uh, Shersman's 
uh, adjustments uh, uh, in, in 2017 or 18. And it was really a great thing because, well, you know, the poetry is, uh, is maybe the, the most difficult uh, literature form to translate because uh, it usually is an open structure. It allows many interpretations. Uh, poets work with polysemia. And uh, uh, so you you are not free, but if you are not precising with the author, uh, it can happen that uh, that it's another it's it's a new poem uh, based on uh, the the original. So uh, with James, it was different, but still, I think that uh, uh, it it's his poetry. Uh, together with my poetry, because he made the selection, he chose the order of poems, and it was a different order. It, it wasn't uh, um, ordered chronology or assorted chronologically, but uh, uh, James was following uh, his own, or uh, the motives he selected. And for me, it was uh, really interesting to see how he perceives my poetry. Uh, and I liked this freedom he he took because it it's it wasn't uh, distorting my poetry. It was just uh, uh, another reading of uh, of something uh, that, that I I wrote one day. So uh, yes, uh, working with James was uh, was special, and uh, uh, of course I uh, I work with also with uh, with other translators uh, if. Uh, I have the opportunity. Uh, uh, John Minahan uh, translated several of my poems and uh, he's very, very faithful and precise when translating. So uh, uh, it's uh, maybe closer to, uh, to the original uh, and, uh, uh, but maybe less ener energetic. I would say it's very hard to describe and to compare uh, very different uh, ways of, uh, of translating. I think uh, translation of poetry is always uh, an authorial uh, or author work. So uh, for me as a reader, as a poetry writer, it's always very, uh, yeah, I'm very curious to, to compare, to see the, uh, the small nuances and details or uh, even this, these uh, new interpretations, new layers uh, the, a translator can put into his or her work. Now, I'd like to turn the tables a little. You have recently uh, published a translation of uh, Michel Houellebecq's first novel. Uh, I'm not going to try and read the French original title. In English, it, it was uh, published under the title Whatever. What, what made you choose this book rather than any other of his books? Uh, yes, so with translations, it's, uh, it's a completely different story because uh, I usually don't... Uh, select the books uh, that I will translate. I, I get the offers and uh, I have the freedom, of course, to accept or reject uh, the offers. And uh, Michel Welbeck's uh, was one of the authors I discovered uh, uh, in um, maybe 2001 in Paris. 
uh, and I read uh, his uh, uh, famous uh, novel, which was the recent one uh, uh, at the time. It was the, the platform. Uh, and uh, uh, then I, I read uh, um, uh, Les Particules Elementaires, uh, Elementary Particles. And I tried to convince uh, uh, Albert Marencin from the publishing house uh, uh, Marencin Pete in Slovakia to uh, translate this author. Uh, but it was complicated because the, uh, the translation rights were held by another publishing house. So for maybe five or seven year, years it wasn't possible to to translate Michel Welbeck because there was another publishing house uh, that would like to prepare and they prepaid or I don't know they they had already an agreement with uh, uh, with with uh, um, the publish the French publishing house uh, so uh, I needed to wait and I I was very busy until 2015, uh, so I did only small translations and several uh, novels or uh, essays uh, from film studies or uh, art essays, uh, but not a, a, a big novel. And uh, only uh, two years ago uh, I got the, the offer from uh, Literarna Bashta, publishing house uh, that is quite young and uh, um, held by, by uh, young people. Uh, and they proposed me the first novel because uh, uh, it was another publisher and not uh, Michel Welbeck's usual publishing house. So uh, this is a, a little bit complicated, but uh, uh, again, it shows well how the world of uh, uh, translation rights work, uh, how the, um, the the fact if the book market is bigger or uh, of smaller influences or has the impact uh, on, on what will be translated and what will be not. Uh, there, there are contests uh, between Czechs and Slovaks translators who will publish the translation uh, faster. So uh, there are many factors that can influence uh, uh, what will be uh, on, on the uh, bookshelves uh, in, in the bookstores. Uh, and I was happy to, uh, to translate the first novel because it's the, it is the novel where Michel Welbeck is, is still fragile. He's less cynical. He's uh, a little bit ridiculous and aware of being ridiculous. So there is a, a, a metatextual layer uh, that I love and I really like a lot and that is much more hidden in, uh, in next uh, novels uh, he wrote. The, the cynical uh, provocative tone is uh, more important uh, in, uh, I don't know, platform, um, loneliness of the island or uh, serotonin the, uh, the newest uh, novel he published hmm. you actually made me want to read this novel in uh, your translation because to be absolutely honest i be precisely because of this cynicism i 
haven't been really tempted to get into Lebec. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> and um, just to finish off uh, almost traditionally now, I'd like to ask you for some recommendations of Slovak poets that you think English readers should read because they already exist in translation or who you think should be translated and who you think would resonate well with the uh, English language readers? Uh, English uh, readers can read Mila Haugava in translation uh, made by uh, James Sutherland Smith. So this is my first recommendation, of course, uh, because Mila, uh, maybe together with uh, um, Ivan Štrpka, are the biggest uh, living uh, contemporary poets. Uh, and uh, I really admire uh, their works. Uh, I don't know how many uh, poems uh, are already translated uh, from uh, even uh, Štrpka, uh, but uh, Lonely Runners, uh, especially Ivan Štrpka and Ivan Laučík, are really worth to be uh, translated. I mean, the, the entire poetry collections, uh, because uh, they work in a, um, in a very wise way, uh, they know how to compose uh, the entire book. It's not a simple selection, but uh, uh, it, it, it's a small universe. Uh, and uh, uh, from the con more contemporary or younger authors, uh, definitely Michal Habai, Katarina Kutzbelova, uh, Nora Ružičkova. Uh, her um, first works are very different from the experimental line she uh, she is exploring right now. Uh, she was experimental even uh, in in the first novel, but in a very different way, less conceptual and uh, much more experimenting with uh, uh, the emotions and energies that uh, uh, they uh, made sometimes freeze uh, and now she's working with the language uh, and uh, uh, using it as, uh, as, as almost visual or graphic art uh, but it's still a, a, a very interesting um, linguistic work. Uh, then also uh, Peter Schule uh, I think English readers uh, would appreciate uh, poetry of uh, Anna Andrejkova or uh, Rudolf Jurolek because uh, there, there is something uh, um, spiritual, very inner and uh, reflected by the, uh, by the nature. Uh, I'm maybe a little bit vague uh, when uh, saying that, but uh, I, I see some similarities between uh, of what uh, uh, English readers in the festivals, of course, so it's not a, a, a generalization, but uh, 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 just my personal guess uh, that they would appreciate uh, uh, this, this poetry. Well, thank you for all these fantastic recommendations. Uh, to come back to Ivan Štrpka, uh, I understand that a collection of his poetry has been translated by John Minahane and it's just started looking for a publisher so let's let's hope uh, it uh, works out and also thank you for the other suggestions let's hope there are some translators out there who will be willing to tackle 
uh, tackle them and especially some publishers willing to publish them. So uh, thank you very much also for coming on the podcast and for overcoming your hesitation about your English. You really need, needn't have had any, any qualms about it because uh, it's absolutely fantastic. So thank you, thank you very much and uh, good luck with uh, finishing off your thoughts, essays, or prose. notes and prose about uh, uh, the pandemic, but also about anything else. Thank you very much, Julia. Thank you. Bye. Bye.